Sayshura, the Music Explorers podcast. I'm Jim Jam. I'm Scoot Magoo. And uh, let's just fucking get into it, man. We uh, What are a, we getting into, Jim Jam? There, there's a ton of fucking great albums uh, come, that have come out this month, uh, oh so many years ago, uh, all of which are my favorites, actually, some of my favorites. But um, yeah, so we, we got a lot. We're, we're, we're basically setting... Uh, we're talking about five albums today. We're just going to pretty much set a timer for 10 minutes for each. Uh, and anywhere from 50 to 30 years old this yeah. month, which is, is kind of crazy for some of these. Fucking insane. I mean, these are all... Um, so some of them, it's like, yeah, obviously, you know, when you listen to it, you, you know it's an older album. But a few of them, uh, a couple of them, especially the, the 80s ones, you're like, man, like it's crazy to think 35 years ago. <laughs> the 90s ones are kind of nuts. Uh, well, our one nineties one, but uh, let's just dive on in. Um, Abbey Road by the Beatles, which is technically their last album um, chronologically. I don't know. I it, it's it's a whole thing w- with with that. I honestly like it, like I guess technically um, let it be. I mean, it comes out after that, but. Let It Be was recorded before Abbey Road, and it was shelved, if I remember right. Uh, but anyway, so we're talking about Tail End of the Beatles. We're talking about the album that most people consider to be their best. I think along, I think people like Sgt. Pepper a lot. Um, but and and the White Album. But I think mm-hmm. I, I, like I don't know, like I I feel like um, like pretentious music goers Beatles album is uh is is Sgt. Pepper but I feel like the mainstay is like Abbey Road yeah I I mean it has so many of their most recognizable songs it's kind of yeah I'm starting the timer uh, now by the way so yeah (laughs) but yeah so yeah I I mean I've known you know I I grew up listening to uh to the Beatles but not specifically this album strangely enough even though I know like you know every single track from it Mm-hmm. Um, this was because I, I think my parents only had Sgt. Pepper and Revolver um, and I think some tape that might have been like compilations uh, but a- anyway like you know w- when I ended up buying like the entire Beatles box set I like it was really cool to just listen to this again uh, you know and especially listening to it this week you know it's just like it, it's it's funny how well you end up knowing some of these songs like I, I think you can speak for that that um because i think what uh here comes the sun is like one of your favorite songs oh I man i mean i think that's what you know back before i really the Beatles kind of clicked for me i mean some of their most recognizable songs are are on this album you know come together octopus's garden maxwell silver hammer i love here maxwell silver hammer <laughs> It's like it's such a weird song. It's just like, oh yeah, hey, we we, we wrote we wrote a song about a serial killer. <laughs> I know. Like, and I, I think that speaks to. Um, I think this album for me represents just how pervasive the Beatles are in our culture, and I think in a in a good way is just that um, even someone like me who I rarely listen to the Beatles didn't listen to them growing up um, at all. My parents didn't really 
like them except for we watched the yellow submarine movie a lot for whatever reason which i always thought was odd my dad loved that but they didn't like the beetle i think just because it was so weird you know it's just like his his aesthetic the, the the funny thing is that the yellow submarine movie i don't think any of the beetles participated in it at all yeah that's actually something that really bummed me out because like when the credits rolled and like none of their names were on it yeah i was like oh that's weird <laughs> Yeah, I, um, I've actually never seen that. I, th- there's a couple of those. Like, I really want to watch A Hard Day's Night at some point, and like Purple Rain, even though that's not Beatles, obviously. But like, you know, like the, the those music movies. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I've always wanted to, yeah, watch those. I just never have. Um, what do you think of? Because like, I think the the big standout for Abbey Road is the medley. I think for a lot of people, that's at the end. That pretty much, I think, I would argue probably starts with you never give me your money um Mm -hmm. and ends with like i guess the end um you're gonna carry that weight um which so you have like never give me your money sun king me mr mustard polythene pam she came in through the bathroom window golden slumbers in your eyes sorry i I love (laughs) i love that song carry that weight you know so uh, what is what do you think about that? Like, is that something that you look forward to in this album, or do you look more forward to the first half? Um, I think just based on pure song recognition, originally I looked forward to the first half, but I mm. think this album is is, is great throughout. Um, it's something that um, I don't want to say. I mean, I guess, I guess I'm comfortable saying it's one of their more one of their popular albums for me at least it, it is in a way but the thing is like like i'm thinking about like i want you she's so heavy like you know like that that's a weird ass song to put in the middle of a, like a very poppy album like it's, it's for like, sure like, like there are parts of it that are almost like proto noise <laughs> in a way like, like just like i'm thinking of the ending how it just kind of drones on and then just like that hissing sort of ends up like sort of coming up in the mix a little higher mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's, there's certain elements of, yeah, I, I, I think maybe it's around the songwriting, I guess it, it's very popular, like the, the song structures, but I, I think the imp, like the execution of those structures, I think is, is sort of on par with the weirdness that they had been bringing for the last couple albums. Um, you know, I mean, just the idea of like the the whole hammer part of Maxwell Silver Hammer, or like, um, you know, sort of how I don't know, like it's weird, but like Octopus's Garden, like the riff in that always reminds me of like, like sort of like a spaghetti western in a way, like like it it has this weird, um, maybe it's just the timbre of the guitar in that, but it always has this strange, um, way of just making me like just sort of float away which i mean mm-hmm. kind of goes with the song but <laughs> um the, i know that this isn't your um your favorite right like you i think we've talked about this before that you like um uh white album the best or? uh i'd say revolver is my favorite oh right, 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 right. Uh, I, I think white album has probably my favorite of their songs i just think they're i hesitate to say i don't really think there's any filler i just feel like there's too many songs yeah like, there's just too many ideas they try to put together which I, you know they're all good on their own but it's like okay like it's i it feels... i totally get you i i mean i love listening to the white album even the bad songs that are on it or they aren't bad but like the ones that like don't feel like they belong on the album in a way like um like rocky raccoon <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> 
only to find Gideon's Bible. <laughs> oh, man. But, but I always liked how, how playful they were. Um, you know, like I mean, Octopus's Garden is is kind of. I mean, I mean, it, it's a it's a heartwarming song at its core. But I mean, that, that, that's kind of a is it, interesting. Is it, is it heartwarming? Because like, like to, to me, it seems like oh, everything about this world sucks. So let's go under the ocean because we can get away from it. <laughs> yeah, but he wants to go there with her or him or whomever he's talking to. I, don't I, know. I, I guess I kinda like that. I, I maybe it's just because I, I I think I need to maybe find the existential dread in everything. <laughs> I think it'd be like akin but, to you know like sticks like you know come sail away like that just kind of all those songs yeah. that are about like you know just come escape with me. And hang out with some, you know, eight eight tentacled friends, <laughs> which, which has a totally new meaning nowadays. Just, just, yeah, I, 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 bet you, I bet you somebody's done that, like like just like tent porn with with the Beatles with this song. <laughs> oh my god, Octopus Garden takes on some other meanings. Um, oh, oh I wanted to talk about the song because, uh, just because, oh, <laughs> um, I find it to be just such a haunting song uh just so very strange in its in its structure and writing even though it's i think if i remember right it's it's literally just the chords from moonlight sonata played backwards oh really that's i, I can i can actually kind of hear that yeah i'm trying to play it back in my head um yeah because I, I think they got it because i think while they're recording it yoko was just like playing moonlight sonata randomly and they're like that sounds cool <laughs> Oh, sorry. Is, 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 is that, that, that that's not my best Liverpudlian accent? That's cool, mate. That <laughs> is, is, is that is that how that conversation went down? The, the, yeah, the, the, they're like, oh, that that cool. Let's do. <laughs> oh my god, oh, man! I feel like we're doing them a disservice by even talking about them. Well, I mean, it's one of those. I mean, there's been no shortage of of thoughts written on this yeah. album uh it's you know it's interesting that we both came from it from different angles uh i mean this is definitely one of my favorites i, I don't think they released a bad album you know i, um, I think we, we well, talked before did you ever listen to like the really really early ones like kind of the the 50s you yeah, well, like, like i'm thinking of like ones. please 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 me uh yeah that was not that was not terrible or like I mean, um, it's it's really straightforward with, with the beatles not, like those yeah. ones See, I'm surprised you like those because, like, those are like I actually really like "Please Please Me," you know. But like, I see a lot of people like I can see a lot of people not liking them, just because like, you know, like just like I'm thinking of like a song like "Chains." It's just like it's like okay, after a while, like. I mean, they they a hundred percent got like much much better. Oh yeah, they they really developed the songwriters. But personally, I I think that. I mean, they're really memorable songs. You know, they're really simple, but I feel like that was just at the time, and then they slowly became who they are today. Um, but I, I do think that there's a reason that albums like Abbey Road are considered more impactful, influential, and have kind of stood more the test of... Like, when someone says, what's the best Beatles album? I don't think anyone says, like, their earlier, earlier albums. It's always one yeah. of, you know, four, like Abbey Road, White, White Album... Revolver or Sergeant Pepper, maybe even Rubber Soul. I don't know. Um, I don't know if people think Rubber, Rubber Soul is, is up there. People like Rubber Soul. I've actually never understood why people like Rubber Soul that much. Not, not to say it's bad, but you know, I, it's just never popped out to me as like, oh yeah, this is the Beatles album to listen to. Yeah, for um, sure. You know, I, I I think 
that speaks more to our own uh, taste than anything. Uh, just because I, I think when we want Beatles, we kind of want weird, uh, like weirder stuff, you know, and they get pretty fucking weird. Like, I, I think Magical Mystery Tour is is probably the peak of that. <laughs> but, um, all right, so we just had 10 minutes up. So uh, any final thoughts? Uh, I think this is probably the best place to start for someone that wants to get into the Beatles only because... I, I mean, but like, who hasn't gotten into the Beatles, though? I haven't. Well, I, I know, but, but I mean, I feel like, I feel like it's such a very, very small minority. Like, uh, not not to put you on the spot, but like, I, you know, I, I, I just can't, like, it's, it, it would be like, I don't know, like an American child growing up and not knowing about Christmas. Like, it, you know, like even if you're Jewish, like, you know about Christmas. That's a, I think that's a little, that's a little hyperbolic. I mean, I mean, I guess not. No, like I knew about the Beatles, just yeah. you know, knowing knowing them like super well, um, might be a little rare. But yeah, yeah, I I, I guess that's I I, I just I, I mean I'm definitely biased. I definitely come at this from a very different angle than you. So uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I but, mean, I I totally I, guess, I totally think that if I had been raised listening to the Beatles, I totally would have gotten into them sooner i think it was just the natural contrarian to me and the fact that my parents you know the only thing i heard from them was yeah they're they're kind of i don't really <laughs> like them but it was only because they, they they actually loved the beatles growing up just they got sick of them which is yeah. actually that's actually a common opinion i've heard from a lot of oh yeah no, no I, I i can't listen to the beatles all the time but like you know when i do have them on though i really enjoy it so um yeah for sure and i i think this you know for the 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 niche of people like me, this is a good place to start only because I think that it's going to be of the albums I listened to, at least I knew the most songs, um, I, this album. I would probably personally. go with revolver for me, but you know, <laughs> that's just me. It's just because I grew up with that. I just yeah. know every single song. I know every single like second of revolver pretty much. So, but just um, coming from an outside perspective yeah. and out, you know, like all here comes the sun come together. I mean, yeah, actually, this is probably a good place to end. Uh, I knew "Come Together" by Aerosmith before I heard it by the Beatles, which is a sad thing to admit. But yeah, because it is—it is not a great cover. Um, well, not it's—it's it's not bad, but it's—it pales yeah. in comparison to, to the. I, I think it pales in comparison too. I think I've always been interested by the fact that everyone thinks it's like an objectively horrible cover. I'm like, I mean, it's pretty on the nose. Yeah, I, mean, I guess if you don't, if you really, don't like Stephen. Well, pe- people don't like Aerosmith. That's the yeah. weird. Like, well, I like, think. I, I feel like Aerosmith are like they're kind of like rock music's punching bag as of late, yeah. uh, which, which is I, why they're big. They're big fans of Nickelback because they've kind of slowly taken that away, and then Nickelback's <laughs> big fans of Imagine Dragons because then they've slowly taken that title well, away. Well, I, I see. I, I think it's just more like I, I think Aerosmith's just been like notoriously inconsistent when it comes to their output. Oh sure, absolutely. Um, like I, I think there's arguably only been like two albums of theirs, and they've released like you know like 11 or something like that 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 are like you know people think are really good so yeah and um, actually my parents and my aunt um saw them live back in their heyday and they said they were awful <laughs> like they just were so like they you know obviously saying a rock band back in like the 70s and 80s was high on drugs is not like a that's not a revelation but they yeah. just they were terrible the, the, like they, they really succumbed they to had it. a rough they had a rough career i mean they yeah, still for sure had a rough career but anyway so uh one last thought though uh this is 50 this thing turns 50 years old which is just you know like i mean i know that it's 
like it's just weird that it's been it's been 50 years since 1969 that you know like Woodstock and like it, basically everything that you know I I would argue like what brought culture to this place where it is now is because of what happened in the 60s um you know so it's just strange to see it all sort of not come to a close but sort of um you know uh meet me back again you know in, in a way i don't know <laughs> let's just let, let's let's move on <laughs> sure uh coltrane john coltrane interstellar space um i was really psyched to, i i i think this is such a great album um you know it's so it's one of i so is one of his first posthumous albums uh but it was recorded you know the year of his death uh it's literally just Coltrane and uh and Rashid Ali mm. just trading off and um I, I so I'm just gonna say this right now I there there's one thing about this album that really bugs the shit out of me I think we've talked about this before but um the the sleigh bells <laughs> oh you don't like those I I well it's I think it's just because there's this um there's like this cultural like expectation of sleigh bells. I think in my mind that I think, Oh, uh, that's like, fair. Yeah. That, that it's like, it, it's, I think it's just tough for like for anybody in America almost to hear sleigh bells and not think, Oh my God, Santa's coming. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but like, it's just, I, I, I wish it wasn't so because I think the, the, you know, it's, it's just a percussion instrument, but it's just like, it's so permanently ingrained in my mind now. Like it's, it's just, it's very it's it's a very strange place in my mind unsurprisingly um but like yeah the 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 bells are just like i'm like what was he thinking of during this like (laughs) um that being said though this is i i think this is a great album i don't think that this is one of the most approachable albums um but i think it's you know it's it's such an interesting piece of coltrane's catalog um, just to see him finally kind of like, it, it, doesn't this album sort of feel like he's finally like thrown off the shackles of like traditional composition? Oh yeah. yeah. I, I mean this, I remember we went to, I think we went to the mall in Salem with, you know, my family. This was like a couple of years ago around Christmas time, if I remember correctly. And I just happened, I always checked Coltrane because this is before my Coltrane collection was at, like, I think I'm pretty much at where I want to be. And there was this and Ascension both for, um, I forget how much, but it was really, really cheap. And I yeah. immediately grabbed it because I'd heard nothing but good things about this. Oh, yeah. And this is, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, when I think of, like, this to me is, like, free jazz at its most, like, basic. Yeah, and, I mean. And it, but I mean that in a great way. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels so kinetic so raw so organic you know you have just kind of the basics you need because obviously if you didn't have the drums it would just be kind of like solo kind of just be free improv but i think the drums add an element to it and the way that they're able to weave together this is still one of my favorite culture and releases for that reason it's yeah just, it's so I, such I, a I really cool cool too. album um i i think the reason i said it because i think some people could look at what i said and be like uh no shit well like what i mean is that this i think if you look at some previous releases to this, that, um, you know, he was kind of shifting towards free jazz, but like, you know, like even like with Ascension, even though that's, you know, an improvised piece, there are still some like compositional elements to it. There are still some, like some structural elements to it. Whereas Mm -hmm. I think this is just like, 
we'll, we'll, let's just improvise completely here. Um, you know, like I, I even feel like meditations in a way has has some compositional elements to it. You know, again, but but this is just like fuck all that. Let's go all out, and it 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 totally works. But and I'm totally with you that Rashida Lee definitely brings uh, necessary you know um, weight, I guess, to this album. Um, you know, I I he's he's probably my favorite free jazz drummer out there uh either him or Milford graves uh just because i like i feel like they're one of the few percussionists who are able to really sort of find a voice for an instrument that i think for a very long time has been nothing more than like a metronome in a sense mm-hmm. um you know I, I i just i really like that idea of like being able to take an instrument and make it completely yours in a way and being able to um offset the traditions of it without you know completely abandoning those traditions but like you know just sort of being able to go out out on your own you know in your own way um i will say though that a i i think that you know it sucks that this comes at the expense of not having elvin jones working with Coltrane, which I, I mean, I, I can understand. I mean, we're talking about two totally different drummers. Like, you know, Alvin Jones is definitely more of like more traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still, I think he's a great drummer. And I think, you know, I, 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 I feel like he deserves a little more attention, but, um, you know, still, I love this album. Um, I, you know, it's weird. Like, so this thing is just, this thing is just over 35 minutes. Um, doesn't because for me it never feels like it. If like, do you ever get that feeling? Like I, I listen to this thing and it it sounds like it's like an hour long, to me. Yeah, I was I was waiting to see what direction you were gonna go on because yeah, for me it all it has always felt longer than that. Yeah, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, a lot of times when people say that it's intended to be like, oh, it's too long or like it drags no, 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 on. No. Like to me, like it just it it they does. They do so much in such a short period of time, and it, it's you know consistently engaging. Um, yeah, like, like the, I, I, it, I find, I've always found that very impressive. Yeah. The, that being said, though, I this is not um, the first Coltrane album. I I would just pick at random. Um, you know, I, I did not not to say that's bad. Not to say I don't like it, but it's it, for me. It's it, it's like I I feel like you. It's like a special time. To put on interstellar space uh whereas like like a meditations or like even like ascension like i feel like i can put on more often i think with mm. interstellar space like i think it's just it's such a unique record that i think if you listen to it too much i think you could get sick of it pretty easily mm-hmm. so I, I i don't listen to it a, a ton i could so, totally see that for sure yeah. um still it's really something that fills a, a specific need for me but I, I think it does that need really well i mean this is one of my favorite free jazz albums and um it, it i mean it's, it's a little sad for me though to think that this uh this is his last last project listening to it, the last thing what did you say was the last thing he recorded uh, no, That's it, what it wasn't it wasn't the last thing he recorded but it was recorded on you know in the year of his death uh mm. in in 1967 so because he died pretty young, and, and oh, I feel yeah. like he never, 
Uh, I think the interesting thing about Coltrane, unlike, um, and admittedly, I haven't really listened to, you know, someone like Miles Davis's back catalog as closely as you have. Um, but I feel like Coltrane never had that kind of late career misstep. I feel like he stayed relatively consistent through the end. Whereas even, you know, like an artist like Herbie Hancock has released some <laughs> some cheesy albums over time. You know, yeah. I see. I I don't. It makes me wonder where. Coltrane would go because I mean he was just I mean you know when he passed you know um, Jazz Fusion was really only just in its heyday like Mm -hmm. you know it was like it was barely a thing at that moment so I wonder what like Fusion version of Coltrane would be like because like you know you bring up Herbie Hancock and like he went in some interesting directions not necessarily directions that I'm a fan of but like Mm -hmm. you kind of got to give him credit from like you know writing a song like Watermelon Man and then you know, just going to like, uh, you, you know, that song "Rocket," you know, the the, the electro song that he I does. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he just he just went in like such a strange direction that it it's, it just surprises me. Uh, it, yeah, it would just be it would be cool to see where Coltrane would have gone, or maybe you know, who who knows? I I really wonder. Like, yeah, that, that, that's a really good point because would he have would he have continued just being consistent and doing his own thing. I know he, I, around the same time, they recorded Ohm, which was just like super, like hyper spiritual, like him saying, man, I fucking love Hinduism. <laughs> um, and I think that's a really cool release. Like, would he have continued, you know, making freer and freer jazz? Would he have, you know, would he have actually tried out the few? That would have been, I agree, that'd be really cool. Like to see if he uh, would even do that or, yeah. uh, well, uh, okay, it has the potential to be cool. Because yeah. obviously we have no, I mean, I don't think anything I can't think of a single Coltrane album that really even comes close to sounding like Fusion. So, um, yeah, it, it, I would it be, be interested. I almost want to like write a book about like like an alternate history book if like Coltrane didn't pass away and like ended up beating cancer. And he ended up saying, "You know what? Time for some funk." Time, time, time. Yeah, it ends up <laughs> ends up collaborating with like George Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that actually would be really awesome I, I, I don't know because here's the like so I we're, I, we're just at 10 minutes now uh, so I'm just going to leave off with this thing that like um, this is going to be weird but like jazz fusion always feels gross to me like I, it feels I, gross well, so what I mean is not necessarily the music but sort of the uh, the fashion and sort of the the aesthetic that fusion sort of brought like you, you know that herbie hancock album sunshine where we're like it's it, it's that album cover of him with like the glasses and the mustache and like it's oh i think so yeah it's it's just like delightfully awful <laughs> like it's I, I don't know and then i think of like like i just feel like the majority of like jazz fusion artists from like that time from like i'm talking about like early 70s you know i i just feel like a lot of those people like like i feel like I feel like I needed to wash my hands if I shook hands with them in a way because I feel like they, they, they'd like be sticky, <laughs> which is oh man, I know it's such a strange um, rabbit hole that that I've that I've sent us down. But I just like every like when I think of like um, I mean I I I just to picture like these these jazz musicians who were like you know not even like ten years ago were you know just black suits and you know just smoking cigarettes in a dark bar and drinking tons of whiskey you know that that type of thing and then it goes immediately to like 
cocaine and sunglasses indoors <laughs> and, and just like it just feels like I, I also like so plasticine and like sticky to me like <laughs> that is a really good point i think um i could kind of have the same kind of sensation with bad men they did a really good job with the um like the period and how people dressed yeah it only, it only goes from like the i think early 60s to early to mid 70s but just how much everything changed oh yeah is crazy and I, I think i've never really thought about that that in a relatively short period of time um things got gross things got gross really fast man <laughs> it's it's that makes me think of that meme where it's like uh how society wants men to dress how oh, men yeah. really want to dress <laughs> just do it side by side yeah <laughs> how my parents see me how society sees me yeah <laughs> oh i see myself oh that's yeah. really funny i miss those we should do yeah. this again we should do I, like i've actually had this idea for uh for doing uh music like basically doing little comics but about music like music nerd stuff uh i, I think that would be funny but you should yeah great well we'll see so um uh, we're gonna move on to uh probably possibly my favorite album uh, that we're talking about today uh depeche mode some great reward so their fourth album uh and i guess it's what 35 this year um yes yeah and this is um isn't this your favorite um depeche mode album honestly uh yeah i think so i, n- I never really thought about it I, I like all their um all the albums I've heard from them for different reasons, but I think this one just has the songs I love the most. I I, I, th- I thought uh, you didn't like uh, Violator and like that that rock aesthetic that they ended up bringing. Um, it's not my. There are some. I mean, um, enjoy the si- enjoy the silences on Violator, right? Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, that song is one of my all time favorite Depeche Mode songs. I think there are some other great songs in that. I do think, you know, the personal Jesus, the rock angle has never been something I've appreciated. Yeah. Uh, but I've always, I've always at least liked, I'd say a majority of the songs on, on most of the Depeche Mode releases I've heard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is probably, uh, and, and of course it goes back to a story I probably told here before is but that blasphemous when, rumors. Yeah. When I had an iPod shuffle, my mom would just like randomly put on songs she thought I might like. Wow. And out of nowhere, blasphemous rumors was on, you know came on. Like, what the hell is this? Because I you know I had no screen, I had no no context, nothing, and I just I loved it. Yeah, like it just I thought it was it's a great song. It was beautiful, haunting, but you know still really catchy, and you know had like obviously a pop dance edge to it, but just obviously the the lyrics and in the, in the um the, the 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 song itself was just very um very heavy in a way. Yeah, um, but it, I, I think it's you know, great. It, it, yeah. Along the same lines, you know, I, I love how there is a lot of thematic and musical variety on this. Um, you know, obviously, like the way something to do goes into "Lie to Me." I think "Lie to Me" is probably my second favorite song on this. I just I love the vocal harmonies. I yeah, love the, um, I love the way the synths weave together, and then going from such a beautiful, <laughs> a beautiful wholesome song like "Somebody." into master and servant is always interesting to me it's a lot like life in between the sheets you know it it sure is i yeah i i somebody is like i i love that song like i honestly like i i love every single track on this album like all in different for different reasons um i i think i i think stories of old or it doesn't matter might be like my two favorites out of this though um because like they, they both have like these 
parts that just stick in my head, um, mm-hmm. especially on It Doesn't Matter. Just like that that synth riff that, that they constantly use for it. Like I think it's like this like arpeggiated type of um like it almost sounds like a flute almost. It, it, like especially like just that that chorus, like it doesn't matter if this all shatters. Nothing lasts forever. Yeah. Um <laughs> and then stories of old, um, you know, uh that, that line was that like couldn't sacrifice anything at all for love. Like that 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 line is just really catchy to me. So uh, but this was actually the first Depeche Mode album I ever listened to in the first spot. Because, um, so, I I don't know if you remember this. This is way, way back now. Uh, we were at Newbury Comics in Salem. And um, they were playing, so, this compilation album that Depeche Mode put out called People Are People. That has, like, a couple, st- like, it, it sort of collects some tracks from Some Great Reward and Construction Time Again. And then, kind of, like, non- uh, album singles so like they had like pipeline and like people are people and then uh one of my favorite uh tracks from depression was work hard um which i think is just such a great track but um so but pipeline was on and uh i was like i never heard a song like pipeline before a and I was just so enthralled with it that I ended up buying this compilation. And then I think I ended up buying, I, I think I ended up bringing it back and then buying some great reward instead. Um, yeah, I, I, some great reward is just like such an, such a like gateway for me. Like for I, sure. yeah, I mean, I, I own every Depeche Mode album now. Like they're, they're like legitimately one of my favorite bands ever. Uh, I just absolutely love them. Like, you know, it's, it's really cool to see them like this early in their career, you know, still, still trying new things because like, you know, they, for a long time, like, you know, they, they started out as, you know, pretty much like a proto boy band in a sense. I mean, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you listen to early songs like, um, everything counts. And then especially, Tora, Tora, Tora. Um, yeah. And then, Oh, what's the name of that song that oh, is, you just can't get enough. Oh, just can't. Just I mean, can't yeah, get it, enough. that's like, quintessential 80s yeah which is really fun and then how they I, I do appreciate how they still remain they still kept that, that catchiness the the melody but as they grew darker because obviously over time they progressively became you know a little bit more more experimental yeah um, you know I wouldn't say this is like experimental electronic it's, it's, or experimental it's, it's, it's pop or anything like that I think is yeah I think that's a good way to put it yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you. I, you know, I, it's really cool. And I think it's, what's really interesting is, is how early this album is. Because, I mean, this is before, like, Black Celebration. And this is also before Music for the Masses, which mm-hmm. ended up taking this sound and sort of refining it even more. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think some people would probably consider Music for the Masses and probably Black Celebration to be better albums. Um, I slightly disagree. Um just, just because I, I mean, I, I think a lot of that is just really personal nostalgia on my part. Oh, sure. I, yeah. I, I think this is just like, this really brings me back in a way. It brings me back, to, you know, like when I was around in the nineteen eighties, you know. Um, <laughs> but I remember that. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. I, I got to, uh, you know, I was, I was smoking weed with, uh, with, with Dave Gone, you know, and and just all that stuff, just hanging around, hanging around. 
England in the 80s, hanging out with Morrissey before he became an asshole. But, I mean, he was <laughs> he was arguably already one back yeah. then. But um, <laughs> we're getting really off topic. Um, oh, that's... A, that's... Yeah, no, I, 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 I think this is just a great... Um, a great direction for them to take, especially, I mean, you could argue that this direction started with construction time again, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know that there's something like, cause I, I feel like construction time again still has like this, um, this innocence to it. Whereas like th- this, like really gets dark in some places. I mean, just blasphemous rumors in itself is just, I mean, it's literally all about a girl committing suicide. You mm-hmm. know, it's, um, you know, it's, yeah, it, but even just like uh, like something to do, like it's just all about being bored. But it's like being like this like disgusting, bland, so bland that like death is preferable. Kind of bored. That's what it always mm-hmm. feels like to me. Uh, I think maybe that that's why I've always sort of like gravitated towards that song in a way because like it's just like I, I can I can relate in a way <laughs> that just like you know just kind of the. Um, just how not how boring but just how how bland modern life can sometimes feel you know uh that like you know you'll take anything in exchange mm-hmm. uh you know it's some yeah the, 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 there's a lot of personal um emotion on here you know it, i i mean i remember listening to this um when i was i went over to england for like a week and uh, i was listening to this on the plane and i can remember it like falling asleep to it doesn't matter <laughs> And just like I don't, there's just something really peaceful about that song that I really like. It's it's, it's you, actually you know what it reminds me of. Um, do you remember that that track, uh, "Lips of Ashes" off of uh, Porcupine Trees and Absentia? Probably. It's I think it's the second track in it. Um, but like it, it has like this, it has a very similar vibe in that like it isn't really like there isn't a lot of percussion and like what mm-hmm. percussion there is 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 kind of used in a more like aesthetic way as opposed to like a metro like metronomic way mm-hmm. um you know and it creates this just woozy type of atmosphere that i really like so yeah this is yeah be me me likey me likey depeche mode <laughs> um <laughs> it's i i really need to jump back into their other stuff because like they they've had an interesting just career just sort of where it's taken them because you know like from the cheesiness that is like you know that in their entire first album which i i fucking love i love speak and spell uh but you know but then you know you, you have like this whole synth pop direction that they went in for a little bit and then kind of like the darker direction with like black celebration and then like rock you know bring in rock with violator and songs of faith and devotion and then they ended up getting really weird with with all of it and kind of going a little nuts with like ultra um mm-hmm. and like exciter and then you know it's, it's just interesting to see where it's brought them um you know i'll admit it hasn't always brought them to the best places um mm-hmm. ultra is one of those albums that i do not listen to a whole lot um but like playing the angel there's a track off of that called uh john the revelator that's like could be my favorite depeche mode song ever <laughs> um just i for some reason like i i had a couple years ago i that was my most listened to song on Spotify by like a very wide margin. <laughs> like, and I really can't explain why it's just a very catchy song. Um, uh, it's funny because like right now, like I'm pretty sure 
when I get my Spotify analytics for the end of the year, it's gonna be um, it's gonna be the Queen is dead, like or at least just tracks from that album that are probably gonna be the the thing I've listened to most this year. <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting like how that kind of changes over time. But anyway, uh, we're we're almost coming up on uh, ten minutes. So, you have any final thoughts? Um, no, I, th- I think we covered it. I mean, yeah. this, this yeah, I think as we've had this conversation, it definitely cements that this is my favorite Depeche Mode album. I think when it comes to this kind of music, it's very much about um, the tracks themselves. Just because, I, I mean, they are trying to make singles to some degree, or at least they're yeah. trying to put singles on their albums. So for me, when it comes to... Uh, that type of approach it's really what what album has the most memorable songs and these not only have songs that have that catchiness to it and i like listening to to sing along to the chorus but i feel like there's texture to it there's depth to it um i, I love how they're able to strike a balance between being introspective being a little dark being a little bit you know artsy and experimental but still making great synth pop and yeah i think that's why um that's why I've, I've always gravitated towards them. I think similar to what you were saying, my parents had a couple of Depeche Mode um, compilations that I listened to. And uh, man, like they just, they have so many great songs. They've, they really do this style in, yeah. in their own vein. Dave Gond is just an amazing singer. And, well. and that. I, I, I love how he adds to, you know, uh, the band's overall sound. So, um, yeah, no, it's, Really good. Me likey. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, next up, Iron Maiden, Power Slave, uh, which also turns for uh, 35. Uh, yeah. So we, we, we've talked about um, Seventh Son of the Seventh Son before, I think, yeah. on this podcast. And um, I, I still prefer that. I, that's still probably my favorite Iron Maiden album. But this, is, this was probably the first Iron Maiden album I listened to in full. Um, now that I think about it, it's it's either that or maybe peace of mind, but I'm not I'm not totally sure. Um, I I know that the the track Power Slave, um, I I I spun that a lot uh, when I was really getting into metal. So, uh, surprisingly, not Aces High though, or Two Minutes to Midnight. For some reason, I didn't like Aces High back in high school. I don't really know why. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, this is, uh, so I actually, I don't think I've ever asked you, asked you like, where, where did you start off with Iron Maiden? Yeah, that's why, um, similar to, to you, it sounds like this is not one of the, um, actually, I, I think I've listened to this before when I was listening to it again, it, it felt very new and fresh. I don't know if it was just cause I really loved what I was hearing, but I think I've listened to this before. For me, it was Number of the Beast, obviously. Yeah. I, I mean, that that is that oh r- r- the, r- rather unsurprising. Title track. Just, yeah. I know, like, that. that's just, that's such a logical place for people to start. Uh, seventh Son of a Seventh Son, which actually was thanks to you. I think you burned me a copy, um, and, I, and I love, love that Sounds album. Sounds like something I would do. <laughs> um, yeah, and then... Um, I think the other well, others I listened to here and there, those are really the two... Because I feel like Number of the Beast is more that straightforward, like heavy metal sound, and then Seventh Son of Seventh Son is starting to get more in that kind of, you know, progressive kind of 
light proto power metal direction yeah. in a way, kind of. And what I loved about um, Power Slave is I feel like it took that to another level. I don't, I don't know if you share this opinion, but I felt like it was, it was probably of the main releases I've listened to the most progressive. Like I, it just felt the most. And, and again, with, I haven't listened with to, the exception of um, of Seventh Son. Yeah I, yeah, I think it was along that vein. Uh, it might have even been a bit more progressive in parts, maybe not overall. And obviously, Seven Sun benefits from having you know the, the concept throughout, and um, definitely pushes the envelope in different ways as well. Mm. But I really I love the technicality of it, the um, how much this just felt so over the top. I think that's something that they um, they continue to push themselves through subsequent albums because obviously Number the Beast, a lot of those songs are you know. They have, they soar and they have you know great hooks and choruses and stuff like that. But I, I feel like the the guitar work on this album, Dickinson's vocals, um, and I'm not necessarily saying it was better, but I just, I appreciated how it just felt so much bigger. I feel like they definitely yeah. embraced the fact that hey, we're a fucking stadium band now. Like we're we're they're not an arena rock band, but they were they were their music was filling up arenas. Yeah, and I appreciate that they said you know what well, we're gonna make our music to match. Yeah, there's a certain. It, there's always been like this really cool energy that they've had ever since like Dickinson sort of came in. That's just mm-hmm. like it's sort of like this grandiosity, in, in a way. But it's it, it doesn't feel like epic though. Like it like it feels more down to earth. But it's still yeah. just like like fuck you, excitement kind of. But like it's it it just I mean the best way I can describe it is like energy. Just and I mean you can kind of see it on the front cover that you just have like. You know, like this pyramid that's just glowing and everything, and then you yeah. have like Eddie has like <laughs> I guess like the statue from Abu Simbel. Um, yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. I, I, you have a oh I actually I really wanted to talk about um the final track on this rhyme of the ancient mariner because like I I don't think this is it's like a perfect song, but I think it's you you, you gotta hand it to him for like the ambition to you know do a track like this. Yeah, I, um, that caught me off guard, and, and, and I think it was at that point I started to question whether or not I've. I'm almost positive to listen to this in full before you know before preparing for this episode, um, but I don't remember that. I agree that it's they probably could have tightened it up a little bit. They they definitely were shooting for the star, you know, shooting for the stars, and they landed on the moon. I mean, it, it's it, it's it's like when you're gonna take an epic poem like that and try to put it to song i mean it's it's not gonna be perfect like you yeah. know it, it, it's it's just because i think you know that type of poem wasn't written as to be a song um so you're obviously gonna have some issues with it but that that doesn't mean you know like i think there are some really cool ideas strewn about in it it was just i i think it's just like if if anything you you just you gotta hand it to them at, at least for just trying it um, even though they have done something similar before, um, in Peace of Mind, they did uh, the, the very last track off of that, Tame a Land, is literally like the plot of uh, the book Dune. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not even joking. Like, they even talk about like Arrakis and like just like literally, like, you know, it's it's literally the plot of, <laughs> of Dune, which I, Dune is one of my favorite books. So, I, I thought that was always really cool. And yeah. just it just to sort of hear, uh, you know, it look like because like Dune is like 
it's such a fucking metal book in, in a way it's it's like it's such a like a cult book like cavalt <laughs> like all the way man yeah um you know so it's it's really cool to see iron man just like bringing like that cool metal edge to it so like i i think that's super cool um anyway anyway you know i i didn't even put on the uh the timer for this one <laughs> oh. so so i suck um but yeah no i i think this is a great this is a great track i i i think my only um gripe with this album is is just how um sort of the middle of the album kind it doesn't necessarily sag but like they aren't really like completely well-known great songs like uh i'm thinking of like lost for words and uh flash of the blade and the duelists it does kind of um i guess it's tread water maybe because obviously coming out of the gates with a a duel like aces high and two minutes to midnight i mean like good god like that's such a a great one-two punch yeah um and then i I think slowly it starts to maybe just settles into a standard sound which is very good but i agree that towards the end even though like we just discussed the the ambition in the last few tracks isn't to- they don't totally pull it off, but still, it's, it's I mean, really cool. The, the, the track "Power Slave" I think is is fucking great. I, I think it has one yeah. of the best solos they've ever done. Um, and like, the, I think "Flash of the Blade" has has some cool elements, but like, you know, it, there is kind of like this. Um, it, it feels like it, it's it's almost missing something. Whereas, like, if you go to mm-hmm. like "Number of the Beast," like the only tracks that people don't really remember a whole lot from from that track listing is like maybe the prisoner maybe 22 acacia avenue and then gangland Mm -hmm. uh whereas everything else is like you know i mean invaders children of the damned you know number of the beast runs of the hills hallowed be thy name oh my god i fuck i love iron maiden scott (laughs) (laughs) i know like every time i listen to them they're one of those bands like fuck i gotta listen more maybe yeah i know every single time well so i used to own a peace of mind i want possibly number of the beast uh dance of death uh brave new world and i want to say oh yeah probably i think maybe seventh son and then for some reason i just sold them all and i don't know i don't know why like because like they're all really good like, even peace of mind which is like you know i kind of like uh like a hidden gem uh you know it's like still has some cool tracks i mean even beyond you know the trooper and like flight of icarus or like uh, there are a lot of people who like uh, "Die with Your Boots On," uh, which is it, it's an okay track, but you know, still, is um, you know, "To Tame a Land" is is just worth the price of the album for me. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway. I mean, I I think for me, I mean, not not to be kind of a normie here, but yeah, the, the first two tracks, like good, like just that's if it would, this was just an EP or like like a a, a seven inch yeah. with Aces High and Two Minutes of Midnight, it would st- it would still be one of my favorite. Oh my god, releases. yeah! Like those two those two songs are just like vintage Maiden at like the highest level. Oh, um, it, it's I think part part of it has to do with like the, I think it's like the theatrics of it. Yeah, um, like Bruce Dickinson has this this dramatization that he brings into his singing that I love. Just like. Like especially with two minutes to midnight, just like the chorus, you know, to kill the unborn in the womb. <laughs> yeah, just like, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I, <laughs> I really need to buy these now because like I, yeah, I really sure. just want to listen to Hallowed Be Thy Name and like like Dance of like Dance of Death isn't a great album to be fair, but like um, 
there's a couple tracks off of them that off of that album that are like really good like the uh the title track and then uh passiondale which is all about like a world war one battle uh, mm-hmm. are just like I, some of my favorite maiden songs like ever um so yeah i i <laughs> I, I don't think i can talk about this this much more so um <laughs> you have any final thoughts uh yeah just i i gotta gotta buy it yeah uh like i have number of the beasts and i think that's far too far too few um maiden elms to own i so. i um i actually i mean i i you know but i i bought this uh earlier last week because it was literally the only album that we were talking about this week that i don't own so i actually um, i don't own this one or the next one but i own the all the I other do ones not own the next one uh i don't know okay don't we're, know. We're, we're, we're just gonna talk about it now uh Fugazi, 13 songs, uh, which is a compilation of their first two EPs, and a couple of the tracks show up on, um, I think Provisional shows up on Repeater. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, there's a version of Repeater called Repeater Plus Three Songs, which I think has, I think they're all songs that are on this. I, I haven't cross-checked that. I, I don't think so. Uh, I think, I, I'm pretty sure Provisional, like the Provisional, um, I think it's called Reprovisional shows up earlier in the track listing um but i yeah yeah i'm right so that but that uh plus three songs yeah they the three songs ep is um i'm pretty no actually that doesn't even show up in 13 songs either so uh but anyway so (laughs) for like this was you know, in a sense, Fugazi's kind of first album in a way, uh, even though that's technically repeater. But like, this is like a compilation of of you know the earliest Fugazi stuff when you know after Ian McKay decided to break up Minor Threat and start doing some weird shit. Uh, which I over the past couple years, Fugazi has become one of my favorite bands ever. I own all of their discography. I feel like I listen to at least one Fugazi album a week nowadays. Um, and this is probably my favorite still out of all of them. Uh, and I, I can't really explain why, because it's like, I, I think it's just because like, it still has like that. Um, it, it feels like it still has that energy from like the minor threat days, but there's a lot more musicianship put into it. If that makes any sense, yeah, yeah, Let, like, I totally get that. N- I, n- not to say that you know, like Repeater and like Red Medicine, like you know, those other albums aren't uh, don't have energy to them. But I think th- there's just something about Thirteen Songs that that always sort of keeps me coming back. Yeah, I, I think for me, re-listening to this, um, I think why I didn't because I, I bought all of Fugazi's, Fugazi's albums just you know in one fell swoop. I, I just kind of. Um, yet you they, don't. All... Yet you don't have thirteen songs. Okay, so stick with me. Maybe it'll be okay. <laughs> no, um, it isn't. <laughs> um, so I, they were all wicked cheap on Amazon, and I think back in the day I was so, um, I was only about the full length. And I know thirteen, so- thirteen songs, kind of like you said, has kind of evolved into a full length. I know technically, you know, it's it's kind of a, it's kind of like Minor Threat, how they, their yeah. complete discography or like their, you know, first two seven inches is kind of just just an album at this point. I yeah. Mean, not really, but people just listen to it that way. Um, 
And so I, I never bought it because I just figured, oh, that's a compilation. It's a bunch of EPs. Like, that doesn't really count as an album. Uh, dumb opinion. Bad opinion. That was wrong of me. Uh, this is a great, great release in re-listening to it. Um, I think you're totally right. I think it, it's an interesting... You could definitely hear how they had just come off of you know, Ian McKay, um, you know, in particular. And I think... The other members were in different punk bands as well. Yeah. Um, um, so Brendan Canty, I think, was from. Yeah, he was in Rights of Spring, and mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple of the other guys. Um, yeah, they, uh, they, from Rights of Spring. So. Yeah, and you could definitely hear they had come from a punk background throughout this, but you they still had that. Um, it's not as raw and. Um, straightforward as other bands who then went on to develop into something more than just punk you know I think I went in like I hadn't listened to it for a while I was like oh this is like it's it's their like super super punk release and like I don't know if that's not really true yeah, it's really like, not it de- but, it but definitely... it, it's, it's raw but just in like in a different way exactly it, yeah. and it's kind of impressive how they obviously they became more experimental over time they definitely tried different things but uh they really did strike a great balance here you could definitely i could see how this at the time would have appealed to their you know their punk fans from the past but also brought in new listeners and just kind of um spread what they were trying to do because clearly um even if you listen to the last minor threat release uh, uh they were looking they're looking ahead you know yeah, I, I feel I, like I that's step or, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's true for a lot of um, punk bands, I feel, is that once they reach later in their career, they're like, okay. Um, and I think for me that that's because, you know, they record all these, you know, singles and EPs and demos and stuff that, that composes their first album. But in that time, they've, you know, grown. And like when it comes time to make a software album, they're like, oh, okay, well, I have new ideas now. And I'm really glad that... Um, I'm really glad that Fugazi exists because you, listening to them back in college... Um, definitely helped. They were one of the bands that helped transition me to liking, you know, having a broader horizon. Mm. Um, they have a lot of albums that are, or a lot of tracks that could be, you know, relatively straightforward. Like you said, have that great energy, but at the same time, other tracks they be introspective, and they do a great job of blending the two. And I, I feel like this is an incredible debut in that regard like they really set out on a strong foot to yeah to progress and how they went waiting room is just such a great way to start yeah off an album. for sure uh but also bulldog front the second track because the, there's this lyric that always gets to me it's uh you know you think this shit just dropped right out of the sky you know like I, <laughs> for some reason I, I love that lyric uh i always think about that and the same thing with uh you know give me the give me the cure um uh-huh. give me the shot <laughs> yeah um, and I, I like how they trade off vocals too. Like it's yeah. not they well, don't have the most natural chemistry. Like obviously their vocals are are very different, but I I think it's cool. Like it's interesting yeah. to have like two very different vocalists you know popping up throughout the throughout the song. I I love Guy Picciotto's vocals. Like I do too. He, yeah, they're probably one of my favorite things about this. But the favorite thing about Fugazi by far for me, Brendan Canty, he is. Without a doubt, I think the one of the best rock drummers of all time. He's like, great. Yeah. Uh, like every single track, like and it, this isn't even like oh, just like this Fugazi album. Like you can go all the way to the argument, and like every single performance he brings is just fucking top notch. Like he For just sure. he really has just like such an energy about him, and just like like he he reminds me a little bit of um 
uh, Brand Daler from Mastodon in, in a way. Just in, in oh, that, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, that, I like that comparison. That like he he brings a lot of groove and he uses like a lot of tom work and stuff like mm-hmm. that with with what he does. Um, you know, and it's just he he has a way of of really you know upping the song's energy, uh, which is again like like really cool. Like as opposed to. You know, like we we were talking about this earlier with uh, Rashid Ali. You know, just in sort of how I think there are some drummers that just sort of act as just timekeepers. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you have you know someone like this who you know actively adds to the sound. Uh, you know, it really adds to the overall direction of the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I fucking love it. Like I I like his. I cannot state how much I love. Brandon Candy's drum work like I think it's just it's so genius to me uh and it's like it, it always gets me so like fired up whenever I put on a Fugazi album even if it's like not like you know a Fugazi album I'll listen to a whole lot like I said yeah I have nothing or like um uh not Enhance what, what, what's the other one um fuck uh In on the Kill Taker that's what I was thinking of uh you know like you know even even listening to those, like, he just, like, always brings it, and I love that. Um, you know, I, I think you said your favorite album was uh, Argument, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would probably say, but I, I think, you know, Red Medicine's fantastic, uh, you know, The Kill Taker's awesome. Um, I, I honestly don't think that they have a bad album. I, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, picking your favorite is... It's really hard. Yeah. Um, even though I would still probably say thirteen songs, even though I I had a repeater last week, and I really enjoyed that too. Um, again, but yeah, I, I think they're all just so good in their own way, and it's really weird because like it isn't even like you, you know how there's some bands that like you can look at their discography and be like, oh yeah, like that's like their reggae album or like you know something like that. That like oh like like power slaves like they're like oh this is kind of like their power metal album or like Seven Sun is like kind of their prog metal album with with Fugazi like you don't really have that and yet you still have these distinct creative differences between each album mm-hmm. like you For know sure. Thirteen Songs has like this meathead type of you know beatdown type of mentality to it. But mm-hmm. and, and you don't find that in Repeater, but at the same time, Repeater brings its its own you know bundle. But then at the you know, but then when you bring like all of their catalog together, it still fits into a cohesive whole sound, which is just like it's so rare to come across that, especially just the the quality of it all too. So yeah, I totally agree for sure. <laughs> fucking love fugazi i i really i i wish that they had fugazi t-shirts because i i would i would buy one in a second and probably never take it off so i like i i fucking love fugazi uh yeah so. i think i've seen some some like older tour shirts and some other like they, bootlegs they, online but they, they're not they have those great. like this is not a fugazi t-shirt or something like yeah. that yeah um I, I've, I've actually thought about making my own at some point um, that would really stick to their DIY, DIY, yeah, DIY, DIY, yeah, DIY, DIY. <laughs> see, I said it, doubted myself, said it again, and then I was like, no, that's right. But then proceeded. No, to no, it. it's it. <laughs> DIY, DIY. Oh, jeez. Okay, I, I think I think we've I, I think we've were um, we're starting to lose a little bit of steam. So um, let's talk about albums of the week. 
Yeah. Oh, well, I guess just his last comment okay. is like it's yeah. kind of it's kind of cool how uh, completely diverse all these these albums were. Yeah. You know, like, like the the only thing they share in common is they you know have a birthday this month. Um, but yeah. It's, or yeah. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. No. It. it, it I. I think that's my favorite part about just like I mean what we've dubbed music exploration and just like you know not not giving a shit what genre it is just enjoying it I, I love that like it's just it's it, it's just cool to just like music that you like I don't know it, it, yeah for it, sure. it doesn't need to be more complicated than that absolutely uh, anyway totally agree. so what is your album of the week good sir so yeah um was in the mood for or i was kind of just curious about other album anniversaries this uh this month and keeping with that spirit i I found an album i hadn't listened to for a while that a band i had you know had the back of my mind like i really go listen to them again and listen to an album that is turning 20 this year uh i don't know if it's this month i forgot to look when exactly but it's uh pale folklore by agalock um definitely not my favorite of their albums, um, only because I think I think the Mantle and Ashes Against the Grain are, are fantastic. I also really like Marrow the Spirit. I would say either the Mantle or Ashes Against the Grain are you know my favorites. But I think Pale Folklore, just to hear where they started out and to hear um, you know how clearly they influenced the U.S. black metal scene. Mm-hmm. Um, don't you know, they the early have 2000s. like a, don't they have a new band out right now? Uh, I think I think a few of them have had different bands. There's one. I'll have to look at it because I'm looking there was it up this... right now. Uh, I think it's yeah, Corada. That's yes, and that, I think it was the album called Salt or something. Or didn't they have a song called Salt? Or I don't I know. I else? I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to because I've never been a huge Agalock fan. Like I mean, I I own the Mantle, but that's about it. Um, but no, it's tis interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm looking up uh, the Karata Salt. Uh, that was a weird album. Uh, I don't really, I don't, I can't say I really loved it, but it was interesting. I definitely think that Pale Folklore was uh, a pretty incredible debut for where they they went on to, you know, what they went on to be. Um, mm. Definitely a lot of the the core sounds of what they tried to do and what they refined later, but in, in really top form. You know, definitely some a little bit rough around the edges. They definitely would go on to um go on to make a better iteration of what they started here but i think it's a fantastic um you know folk themed atmospheric black post metal thing um i i I get you i'm i'm picking up what you're putting down um (laughs) uh, so i actually had a hard time again trying to find an album of the week because i Initially, I was going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll talk about the new, I'll make the t- new Tool album, my album of the week. And then I listened to it, and I'm like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Uh, well, no, so, so I, I'll i just talk about it right here. Uh, it's not a bad album. It really isn't. I, I enjoyed it. But, it like, people have already overrated it highly. Uh, because I, I, I feel like coming back after 10 years, over 10 years of studio album silence you know you're only going to get one of two reactions that one this is complete garbage compared to everything else or two this is the best thing they've ever done and i honestly think that neither of those are really apply to fear inoculum Mm. um 
it, it's it's a cool album, but at the same and there are some when you get near the end, I feel like there are some pulls from like Anima and like Undertow a little bit. Um, but for the most part, it, it's really nothing new that they've like, like it's pretty much follows in the vein that they've been sort of following since Lateralis. Um, that just that sort of like mystical prog metal type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it was it was good. Um, I think the other thing is like that, and I'm I'm not going to go too much further on this. Just uh, for some reason, the the digital track list and the actual album track list are two are different. Like mm-hmm. the digital track list is actually longer because they're, yeah, like, they're they, they threw in a few uh, interludes. Well, kind of interlude. I mean, some are pretty long for an interlude, but yeah. Well, they, I think the idea is that there's seven big tracks that yeah. are over ten minutes. Yeah, like those are the focal point of the album. But I, I still find that to be a little weird. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I never like when bands do that. Yeah, it's it, because like I don't like it. It just seems very indecisive. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I, I feel like for them it was probably like it was either leave these tracks out or make this a double album, which I don't think they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so uh, Fear Knocking was not my album of the week, <laughs> but but uh, so. But this is uh, Paul Butterfield Blues Band. Uh, it's a self-titled album from them. It's like their their debut. Um, I've this is probably my favorite blues album ever. Um, and I, I for some reason I haven't listened to it for a long time. And then like I just remembered about it this morning when I was taking the dog for a walk. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm putting this on. You know, <laughs> and it, like I think we we've talked about blues how like you know the genre like when it comes to songwriting there isn't much in the way of like compelling songwriting it's more about the performance mm-hmm. that that you give and uh and i think that just speaks so true here that just like you know you really get to hear these guys just like bleed their souls for you know for the audience it's it's really cool it's it's just a beautiful beautiful album like every everybody's you know everybody's performance on it is just like so good that you can't help but just be in love with it. Um, Paul Butterfield himself is just, you know, an amazing, like, uh, harpsman, however you want to say, a harmonica player. I, gu- I guess it's harpsman. Um, but, yeah, so, just awesome album. Great blues album. I, I think if anybody's looking to get into blues, this is the album to listen to, like, without a doubt. So, um, awesome. yeah. Yep. That that is all i have so um yeah that is it for this week thanks for listening and we'll be back to talk to you next week yeah thanks a lot all right see you bye bye